Hello and welcome to the Faith and Family Matters podcast, where we talk about issues that strengthen our faith and build stronger family connections. Please join us for today's podcast with our host, William Hemphill II, Pastoral Counselor. Hello, this is William Hemphill, Pastoral Counselor, and welcoming you to another episode of the Faith and Family Matters podcast. Today I want to talk about a very interesting subject. I shouldn't say interesting, more like a subject that causes concern. And that subject is anxiety and the coronavirus. Anxiety and the coronavirus. As most of us know by now, uh, we are in the midst of a pandemic across the world with the coronavirus uh, that has spread pretty much all across the world. You're talking about over, I don't have the exact numbers, I want to say 80,000, well, 134,000 cases as of me recording this podcast, and probably about almost 5,000 deaths from that total. And that's listed from all the countries off the, I think it's the World Ometer's site info. They constantly update their site. And so naturally this is causing a concern because this is an active virus that's being spread. It's causing a lot of concern in the United States because we are just in the process of beginning to test people, so we don't know how many people have the virus or don't have the virus. Now, I am not a doctor, so I'm not going to focus on the medical aspects as much. Probably in the midst of the broadcast, I'll talk a little bit about some things we can do to protect ourselves based on what's already been told to us. What I want to focus on as a pastoral counselor and a mental health professional is the anxiety that it is causing. The anxiety that it's causing. What is anxiety? Anxiety, as I'm describing it today, is fear or worry in response to a perceived threat. Fear or worry in response to a perceived threat. And there's a reason why I'm using that word perceived is because the threat does not have to be real so long as it's real in our minds. Let me give you an example. I often use this when I'm talking to people. If I walk out in the yard and there is a hungry lion wanting to eat me, that is a very real threat. It's real. It's going to cause anxiety. It's going to cause my mind to race, my heart to race, my heart to beat fast, nervousness. The fight or flight response will come in me, and I will probably react accordingly. Now imagine if I go outside and I see a lion but the sight was all in my mind because something was wrong with my vision. There's no real lion there, but I am imagining that it's a lion there and it's seeing it there, 
And so my body's going to react the same way. In other words, I'm going to be anxious. In the first example, the threat was real. There was a lion. In the second example, I saw a lion, but there wasn't one there. The point I'm making is anxiety can come whether a threat is real or not real to us because we are perceiving it as real. How does it get back to the coronavirus? First of all, I want to say it is a real threat. We have seen a number of deaths because of it. Coronavirus is a real threat. It's a life threat. And it's a health threat. But I want you to think about some other things. It's also a financial threat. I know here in the United States, we've talked about, you know, the Basketball Association, NBA being shut down, NCAA basketball tournaments being shut down. I know this because I'm a big basketball fan. And so the economics of that and how it will affect people who work. Some of the people who work in these particular organizations or in the particular events surrounding these organizations are hourly workers, and they're depending on that money to help to sustain their homes. So that's an economic threat. It can also be a relational threat, because one of the things we talk about in keeping the pandemic from spreading is isolation. And depending on who you are, if you've received or have a known diagnosis of the coronavirus, they're recommending that you quarantine yourself for 14 days. That's isolation, potentially without human contact. So this very real threat is causing anxiety, fear, and worry in the minds of, I want to say, throughout the world with lots of people. What I'd like to focus on for the next few minutes then is what are some ways we can manage the anxiety? What are some ways we can manage the anxiety? I was talking to someone today and in the midst of talking and find out not only did they have anxiety, they had some anger about some situations. Adding that anxiety also has to do with elements that we can't control. Fear based on elements or things we cannot control. And so some of it might be for us to manage the anxiety, learning what we can control and what we can do. So the first thing I want to think about and how we manage our anxiety during the time of this pandemic is to understand the threat. Understand the threat. They are saying, at least looking on some of the various websites, CNNs, World Health Organization, so on and so forth, that most people who are under the threat of this being particularly harmful are our elderly. Uh, some sites I've seen 80 and above, some sites I've seen 60 and above. And so those who are elderly or our senior citizens our carriers of wisdom, our mothers and fathers, grandmothers, grandfathers, those folks who have taken care of us over all these years, we want to be sure that they have the appropriate care needed. So in understanding the threat, one of the things we want to do is take the appropriate precautions. 
So according to the World Health Organization, the appropriate precautions are this. Regularly washing and cleaning our hands with alcohol hand-based rub or with soap and water. Why do we do this? Because it kills the virus that may be on our hands. That's the first thing. Second thing, maintaining one meter or three feet distance between ourselves and anyone who's coughing and sneezing so that the small liquid droplets, if they contain virus, won't get too close to us. Washing our hands, maintaining distance. Avoid touching our eyes, nose, and mouth. I want to say something about that one. Do you know how hard that is to do? I would say just do your best. Do your best. I remember watching someone was actually talking about this recommendation and not doing this. And they were speaking in front of a group of people and then they were talking about not touching their face. At the same time they were speaking, they were touching their face and rubbing their cheek. It was kind of hilarious in some ways. But it kind of emphasized the fact that that's kind of hard to do. So do the best you can. And the reason why they want us to do this is because our hands touch many surfaces and they don't want us to transfer the virus to our eyes, nose, or mouth where it can travel. Covering our mouth and our noses, so on and so forth. These are some of the things we talked about. Here is a very interesting one that I think is very important, period, not just with the coronavirus, but with anything. Stay home if you feel unwell. Stay home if you feel unwell. How many of us over the years have gone to work when we weren't feeling well? Either because we felt like we had to, or we felt like there was some project or deadline that we had to take care of, or whatever the reason might be. Staying home if we feel unwell not only helps our bodies to begin to recover, But it helps to protect those who are around us. And I think that's one of the keys in helping to keep the pandemic from spreading is thinking about others and how to protect them. So in other words, for example, you know, I'm blessed I'm not in the sensitive age range, but I am in a church or different places where there are a lot of people who are seniors. So it's important for me then in even protecting and caring for them to make sure that I am well. And if I find out I am not well, that I do something like not attend church so the seniors are not exposed. That's caring for other people. And that's one of the things I'd like us to think about, not just ourselves, but how we can care for others during this time. And so those are just some of the recommendations that the World Health Organization is talking about. So in managing the anxiety, we understand the threat. We take the appropriate precautions on what I've talked about. Now I'd like to focus on something else because I don't know about you, but sometimes when we get anxious, it kind of, you know, our mind begins to ruminate or thoughts keep going, going and going and going. I don't know if anybody ever experiences that, but I've experienced that from time to time. And one of the things that I say or believe can help with that is if we breathe and recenter. What does that mean? 
When we notice our mind is actively going and actively worried, we can do a couple things. We can take in a breath, count to four, one, two, three, four, exhale slowly for four, one, two, three, four, rest for four, one, two, three, four. And do the same cycle over again. Inhale for four, hold for four, exhale for four, rest for four. Even in doing that, it begins to slow our minds and our bodies down. It begins to regulate our breathing and helps us to recenter and refocus. So that's just a tool that we can use to help manage our anxiety, not necessarily just about the virus, but about anything, period, to watch our breathing. Because many times when we are anxious, we're often breathing quite fast. And so it slows us down. Another thing that can help us out with recentering is focusing our mind on something else. I don't know if any of you have ever experienced this exercise, the pink elephant exercise, but here's how it works. Someone tells you, don't think about a pink elephant. Don't think about a pink elephant. I have a question for you right now. Is there a pink elephant in your mind? Why there's a pink elephant in your mind is because that's what you're focused on. But if someone told you don't think about a pink elephant and you start thinking about eating M&Ms or what you have to do with your laundry or something else, automatically your focus shifts away. And so we can use that as a tool to help manage our anxiety also. Say I'm worried about this. I don't have enough toilet paper. I don't have enough Lysol. Or that person coughed near me. You take the appropriate precautions, go wash your hands, and then you go about your day. Call your loved one. Say hello. Tell a joke. Do something else that can redirect your focus. Because in redirecting our focus, we also help to manage our anxiety. Number four in helping to manage our anxiety, find some aspect of gratefulness. Find something to be thankful for. Many times we're so focused on the things that we're worried about that we don't stop and focus on what we're grateful for having. I'm grateful that my family loves me. I'm thankful that my spouse loves me. I'm thankful that my kids love me. I'm thankful that I was able to buy supplies for my children who are off in an apartment at school so they can have their supplies just in case they have to stay at home. Something to be grateful for, whatever little thing it may be, and focus on that. And then I want to focus on a final point because I saw this in the article 
I think it might have been on CNN, and I don't remember, but I think it's also a very powerful thing for us during this time and season of coronavirus and anxiety. And it's finding ways to help others. When we find ways to help others, it can ease our anxiety. Now, what I remember about this article is it talked about some ways we can help people who are dealing with the coronavirus. So if we know someone who's dealing with the virus and they are isolated, we can do something. Number one, we can bring food and supplies to their home. If they're on quarantine, they're not allowed to go out. But maybe we can bring a couple meals to their house. Call them, let them know that we're setting the meals by the door if you don't want to go in. We have some supplies waiting for you and they can come get them. Do you know what a blessing that would be for someone to receive gifts from others during this time? I imagine the person would feel like that they weren't alone, but that someone loved them and cared for them. And in the midst of crisis, one of the things as human beings we all desire more so is love. So bringing food and supplies to the home of someone who is dealing with this virus is a blessing for them. Number two, call them. FaceTime. Video chat them. Text them. Because people want to know that they're being thought about and cared for. And although you may not be able to sit there face to face, just the fact that someone can see your face on a video chat and you can laugh and joke and talk makes a big difference. It keeps a person from feeling isolated. And isolation can often lead to depression. And so one of the things, if you're calling, you're video chatting, you're texting, you're emailing, you're using whatever social media you have to keep in contact with people, that makes a big difference because the person also feels like they're low. Number three, helping others again, helping someone in this situation. Remember somewhere early in the podcast, I talked about how this virus is an economic threat? Maybe if you have some extra money, pay a bill for somebody. They can't work for 14 for 21 days or different things like that. And so it's very possible that someone is getting behind on their bills. Maybe you have some extra money and can pay a bill for somebody. Do you know what kind of blessing that would be? So here are some things, again, to help reduce our anxiety. Helping others, bringing food and supplies to those who've been affected, calling, video texting, chatting with them, staying in contact to let them know that you love them. Even if you can't be physically present, at least hearing your voice makes a difference. And three, helping them financially in whatever way that you can. So those are some of my thoughts on anxiety and coronavirus. As we get ready to close, I do want to share a scriptural passage that I often use when I'm worried or anxious about things. It comes from Matthew chapter 6 verse 25 through 34. I won't read all of it, but I'll share it. 
Therefore, I tell you, do not worry or be anxious about your life. What you will eat or drink or about your body, what you wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Verse 27 says, can any one of us by worrying or being anxious add a single hour to our life? So then I'm skipping down to verse 30. If God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry or be anxious saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? Your heavenly father knows you have need of them, but seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you. I paraphrase that a little bit, but one of the reasons that's one of my favorite verses is I remember doing the research when I was preparing a message on this one time and found that when Jesus was sharing this parable, he was talking to a group of farmers who were in the midst of a drought. So they were in the midst of the drought and they had something to worry about. How am I going to get food? How am I going to pay my bills? How am I going to do this? How am I going to do all these different things? A lot like us. How am I going to stay healthy? How am I going to keep from getting infected? How will my family stay safe? Do I have enough supplies? How will I stay connected to people? Will I lose my job? How do I take care of my money? All of these things that people were worried about. But if I had to summarize that passage, especially for people of faith, to understand this, God's got you. God's got you. What does that mean? In the midst of the time, while we're dealing with all these things, coronavirus and its various effects, know that God is watching over you and your family and will keep you. Whatever situation you're going through, know that God's presence and God's love is with you. So this is William Hemphill pastoral counselor, just wanted to share some thoughts today about anxiety and coronavirus. Hopefully some of these things will ease your mind, ease your heart, and ease your spirit during this time and this season. Take care. Until the next time, have a good day. Thank you for joining us for today's podcast. We hope that the show has been a blessing to you. If you would like more information on personal counseling, couples counseling, adoptive family counseling, or other products and services, please go to ffeonline.org. For questions about the show, please email us at faithandfamilymatterspodcast at gmail.com. 